Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. can put in more acres. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Five minutes after five o'clock on a Wednesday morning. Oh, my goodness. It looks like this year the kids in Wisconsin are going to be trick-or-treating with winter coats and boots. This snow does not look like it's going to yield for the rest of this week. In fact, more on the way today. 30% chance of snow or rain today. 38 are expected high. Overnight lows down to 28. For tomorrow, looks like we'll see snow showers, maybe just a 10% chance. Going to stay cloudy. 34 are expected high. The good news is by the time we roll toward the weekend, we do warm up a little bit. Friday, sunshine and 35. Saturday, sunshine and 38. We'll be into the 40s by the weekend. But like I said, I don't know how much of this snow we're actually going to get rid of. We'll talk about it with Stu Muck. He's coming our way in about 15 minutes. Also up before 6 o'clock, I shared part of the story with you last week. When we see weather come through Wisconsin, be it tornadoes, straight line winds, you lose power and you make a phone call and then you wait. You wait for those linemen to get back out there and restore your power. What if you didn't have power to begin with? What if those linemen were bringing it to you? Some of our Wisconsin rural electric linemen, busy in Guatemala recently, bringing those people uh, electricity. And it was not easy. We're talking about it with Steve Fries from the Wisconsin Rural Electric Cooperative before 6. World-class research and education is drawing even more students to the UW School of Veterinary Medicine on the UW-Madison campus. Did you know that that school trained more than 50% of the veterinarians now practicing in the state? And that includes new graduate Tyler Mack, a Pennsylvania native that found his way to the UW School of Veterinary Medicine. When I applied, there was around 30 veterinary schools. But for the University of Wisconsin Excel, for example, there was, I believe... Uh, 1,000 or 1,200 applicants for 80 spots. Congratulations, Tyler Mack, new graduate from the UW School of Veterinary Medicine, practicing right here in the state. But remember, the school is out of space. It has not significantly grown since it opened in 1983. The goal is to raise about 30% of the entire project's cost, and you can help. Write a letter, make a phone call, send an email. Find out details on how you can support the expansion at the UW School of Veterinary Medicine online. Animals need heroes too. T-O-O dot com. It's been cold out. We aren't thinking about summer and spring and, oh, those blossoms where the bees work so beautifully in the warm weather. This is Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. And even though those thoughts are gone, we still are paying attention to the product that those bees brought from those blossoms, the honey. Reba, Josh talked with the American Honey Queen about some of the sweet success we had this year, huh? That's right, Scott. This is Reba McClone at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And Hannah Schustrom is the American Honey Queen, and she is a Wisconsin native, which is even more exciting. And she's going to be back in the state of Wisconsin because they have a two-day conference going on this Friday and Saturday up in the Fond du Lac area. And so Josh sat down with her to find out about that sweet success, like you were saying, and to learn more about this upcoming conference. I'm a guy that likes to pride myself on knowing a little bit about a lot of things, right? 
Just have a little bit of knowledge here, a little bit of knowledge there, at least enough to get me through a conversation. Well, I would be the first to admit that when it comes to Wisconsin agriculture, honey and beekeeping are not one of my strong suits. I just simply don't know a whole lot about it. But looking at this honeybee fact sheet, did you know that honey is the only food that never spoils? Because I certainly didn't. One honeybee makes one twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in her lifetime. Very interesting. And did you know that honeybees need to tap two million flowers to produce just one pound of honey? Yeah, well, it's things like this that got me really, really interested in the Wisconsin honey and beekeeping industry. And that's why I put in a phone call to Hannah Schustrom. She is the American Honey Queen, and she is on the phone with me right now. Hannah, how are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for asking. And you are actually a Wisconsin native, correct? That is correct. So where at in Wisconsin are you from? I am from Maiden Rock, Wisconsin, so about an hour west of Eau Claire. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. And just to kind of set the stage and let people know about you, what are your family ties to honey and your family history? So I'm a third-generation beekeeper, which means I grew up beekeeping pretty much my whole life. In my family, we have about 200 beehives, and I always just grew up always intrigued at how important our honeybees are to each and every one of us. And that's why I love my job. I get to go on a national scale to be a national spokesperson for the honey industry this year. You were chosen to be the American Honey Queen back in February, doing some quick math. That's about seven, eight months ago. What are the places that you've been so far, and what is the message that you're spreading? So I've been to about 22 states so far this year. So it's been all from all across the United States, from Maine to Oregon to Massachusetts, kind of anywhere And the huge message I try and get across is that one-third of the food we eat requires pollination, and 80% of that is dependent on our honeybees. So I really like to emphasize that even if you're in the middle of a huge city or if you're in the smallest town in America, all of us are very, very affected by our honeybees. I have to know, how does one even become the honey queen? Walk me through that process. I like to tell people you're the sweetest person in America because you go through <laughs> yes. a week-long job interview process and you're evaluated on communication skills and beekeeping knowledge. You're back in the Badger State as the Wisconsin Honey Producers Association Convention is taking place this week. Could you give me the details on that, please? Correct. So that convention runs this Friday and Saturday at the Radisson Hotel in Fond du Lac. And so if you love anything about the honey industry or learning to look more into the honey industry or beekeeping itself, we have some amazing speakers. We have Dr. Jamie Ellis from the University of Florida Florida, coming to speak on honeybees. We also have John Miller, who is a fourth-generation beekeeper out of California and North Dakota, and he is coming to speak too. There's a lot of other amazing keynote speakers that are coming again just to learn as much as we can about the honey industry in two days. I'm on the phone right now with Hannah Schustrom. She is the American Honey Queen, a Wisconsin native, back in her home state for that convention that she just told you about. Hannah, something that I was just thinking about, maybe beekeeping is something that is not as difficult to get into as other forms of farming. I think about some of these larger livestock operations where there's a lot of equipment, a lot of animals, a lot of overhead. Maybe beekeeping could serve as a way to get into Wisconsin ag, but not have a bunch of the costs that are associated with other forms of farming. I would really emphasize people that even are looking at trying to join beekeeping or are thinking about it is that it is a really, really good hobby. It can also be, we do have a lot of full-time beekeepers in the United States and there's a lot to learn about it, that there's a lot of diseases that go into honeybees. There's a lot of knowledge that go into honeybees. There is a lot of work. So I do encourage you that if you want to learn anything or even thinking about it to join a local beekeeping club, 
or come to our convention this weekend and just start getting to know beekeepers, getting to know kind of the work and love that goes into beekeeping and getting to answer any questions you may have about the industry right next to fellow beekeepers. And let's talk about Wisconsin's honey and beekeeping industry. How many beekeepers and or bees are there in the state? I don't I don't know which number would be easier to tell. There are a lot of beekeepers in Wisconsin, a lot more than people think. Because in Wisconsin, we are ranked at the 16th honey producing state in America, producing about 2.9 million pounds of honey. And so there's a lot of honey that does go into beekeeping in Wisconsin, which people don't realize, which is pretty cool to get to say. Yeah. And do you notice that uh, the beekeepers are in a certain part of the state or are they kind of spread all throughout the state? There are definitely better parts of the state to beekeep. There's pretty much beekeepers spread uh, evenly throughout the United, or excuse me, throughout Wisconsin, but there's definitely areas of the of Wisconsin that have more flower sources, that have more land available for honeybees. So there are better parts of the state for beekeeping. Very nice. And and how many varieties of honey are produced in Wisconsin, you would say? And, and this is something that, to be honest with you, not to sound stupid, I could not name maybe more than one or two <laughs> varieties of honey. So if you could hold my hand and walk me through that, that'd be great. Absolutely. I love to talk about this because like many people do not realize that there's more than one variety of honey. And in Wisconsin, we've got some, I mean, not to be biased, but we've got some amazing varieties of honey produced here. So in the spring of the year, we have like when the black locust trees bloom and the basswood trees bloom, those can each give a very, very distinct flavor of honey. So like my favorite honey from Wisconsin is actually the black locust honey because it has almost a minty flavor to it and it's going to be very light in color. But then we also have the buckwheat honey, which is going to be a very robust flavored honey and will be almost coffee colored dark. So we can range from all different colors and varieties just here in Wisconsin. And there's plenty more varieties of honey to come that, again, are just right here in Wisconsin. Hmm. Now, honey is a very versatile thing. Obviously, we know it tastes good on biscuits and it can help with a sore throat. What are the lesser known uses for honey? My favorite one to tell people is that honey actually has medical properties. So if you ever get a cut or a scrape, put some honey on there because honey will create the most ideal wound healing environment, help reduce the amount of scarring, and help that wound heal a little bit faster. So it's a very weird thing to use honey for, but I promise it does work and there is research for it. <laughs> Thank you for the assurance. And uh, bees are also a very essential part to Wisconsin ag as they pollinate a large number of crops. What are some of the crops that uh, they are most helpful with? Well, one of the most important ones for Wisconsin is that Wisconsin is the number one cranberry producer in the United States. And honeybees actually have to help pollinate that cranberry blossom to get that out, to get that blot or those cranberries, so we can be able to be the number one producer in the United States. So it's kind of a weird thing that people don't realize how important that is for just our cranberries. There's also lots of pumpkins and cucumbers, uh, our apple trees, our blueberries, all things like that throughout the Wisconsin that we do need our honeybees for. Yeah, it kind of sounds like they run the whole gamut. And before I let you go, you guys have got a great event going on this weekend for kids. It's called Kids and Bees Expo. What do we need to know about that? It is a free event where anyone can come to learn more about honeybees. You can learn, you can taste some of those different flavors of honey we were talking about. You can get your face painted. You can learn how to make a beeswax candle. Anything revolving the honey industry, we have an exhibit for it this weekend again. Like you said, it's from 1 to 3 at the Radisson Hotel in Fond du Lac. And I encourage you to come because it is a free event for all families. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much. That is Hannah Schustrom. She is the American Honey Queen, a Wisconsin native, and she is back in her home state this week as the Wisconsin Honey Producers Association Convention is taking place in Fond du Lac. Hannah, thank you so much for doing this. It was great.
Thank you. Hannah Schustrom, American Honey Queen right there. Thank you so much again, Hannah. If you want more details on this event and the Wisconsin beekeeping and honey industry in general, you can head to MidwestFarmReport.com. And from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. It's 3 a.m. Your home is freezing. No, it's not your furnace. It's your empty propane tank that your provider forgot to fill. Don't let this become your reality. Contact the propane experts at Insight FS. Ask them about their tank monitoring program that gives you 24-7 access to your tank levels. Insight FS also offers convenient contracting or budget billing programs. Don't get left in the cold. Let Insight FS bring the heat. Visit InsightFS.com for a propane expert near you. Farmers like you told us that you need a John Deere skid loader that can handle big jobs, maneuver in small spaces, and is easy to operate. Enter the John Deere G-Series skid steers from Sloan Implement. Now you can zip in and out and around the farm buildings with confidence. And when you ask for a price that'll level the playing field, well, that's just what we did. Visit Sloan's.com or stop in and let us help with your Sloan deal. In baseball, these are the moments that bring us to our feet. But the most important moment happens when we all stand together. United for a great cause. We once again join our partners Stand Up to Cancer in reaffirming a commitment to the fight against cancer. Since 2008, Major League Baseball, its fans, players, and coaches have delivered a powerful, determined message that we, together, will defeat cancer. I'm Matt Damon. I'm Candace Patton. Joe Manganiello. Jordana Brewster. Zachary Levi. I'm Uzo Aduba. Cancer has in some way touched all of us. So join Major League Baseball and Stand Up to Cancer as we stand in honor of all loved ones affected by this disease. Visit standuptocancer.org slash MLB. Stand up with us. The only person who can actually find the needle in the haystack. Wow! This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Alrighty, 520 now on a Wednesday morning. Trying to find the needle in the haystack as far as good news in this weather forecast is a real challenge. Tumacher Ag Meteorologist joining us live via Skype. Buddy, I'll tell you, I think that most of us in Wisconsin are used to seeing a little snow a little early. You know, I guess it counts, end of October. But uh, this cold weather pattern that we're seeing kind of for the rest of the week, my concern is that snow is going to stick around, and I guess we've got maybe even more on the way today. By the weekend, do you think that we'll be able to get back to bare ground, even if it is squishy? I'd like to say absolutely, Pam. I'd like to say that we're not going to get any more snow and there's going to be sunshine to thaw what's still around. I tell you, I was over in Sheboygan County late yesterday afternoon. They didn't get quite as much as we did around the Fond du Lac area, and it thawed off very well. Getting back closer to home in central parts of Fond du Lac County, there was still some snow on the ground in places, so it didn't all thaw off in that big of a hurry. But we have to look at this next system and the next possibility of precipitation not far away at 
at all. In fact, this last system crossed up from eastern Texas up into parts of lower Michigan. The next system pulling north and east out of Texas now, I expect heads a bit further east toward Ohio. Does that mean it misses us? I wish I could say that, but I still expect precipitation should develop. In fact, as a little rain, especially on toward afternoon, oh, a slight chance yet before we head to the noon hour, more likely in the afternoon. A few snowflakes could be around as it starts, more likely some light rain again by late afternoon or just on into the evening hours. That's when snow starts to mix in as we get that colder air in at night. And as that low moves up toward that Ohio area, that's when snow builds in. The southeast parts of Wisconsin could be into a a one to two, maybe three inch range closer to Milwaukee. I'd say Mauston and La Crosse, if you see an inch or most likely less, that could be about the extent. But the precipitation is going to be around, and at the same time, it does stay cool. Sure, we could talk about more snow melt and things drying out if sunshine and more mild air return. But even on toward the end of the week, it really appears that clouds will be kind of stubborn. I don't expect a great deal of clearing, but there could be some late Thursday night or into Friday. But the clouds redevelop. Saturday night into Sunday, a little sunshine could redevelop. But it's all just going to mean that any precipitation we see isn't going to dry up in a big hurry. Make it rain or snow. Not going to dry up just like that and mean dry conditions and great field work. Things are getting and staying quite muddy and are going to be that way. Maybe freezing is going to be a better situation. A little freeze drying might not be a bad bet, but the only really cold weather like that is coming up tonight when there still could be some snow. Those temperatures around freezing or just a little above look to be more likely for nighttime lows even on through the weekend. I'll have our forecast details right after this. In farming, getting things done early has a way of setting you up for success, like using Corvus for an early season win over weeds. Corvus keeps even the toughest weeds from gaining a foothold. Multiple sites of action deliver superior control of emerged weeds. And later, Corvus reactivates with just a half inch of rain to take out any new weeds that may have sprouted. So get an early season win against weeds with Corvus for end of season rewards. Always read and follow label instructions. Corvus is a restricted use pesticide. When you're in for improving your energy efficiency, Wisconsin is in for growing your farm's energy savings. Focus on Energy partners with Wisconsin Utilities to offer farmers the tools to grow their farm's energy efficiency and cash incentives to make it happen. Get started today. Call 888-947-7828 or visit focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness to learn more. That's focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness. Focus on Energy, helping farmers grow since 2001. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Today, I expect, along with mostly cloudy skies, that there could be a bit of light snow yet this morning in the southeast. Otherwise, a chance of a little light rain or some snowflakes later in the afternoon. Not much of a threat at La Crosse at all. Expect the high today in the upper 30s, about 39 or 40. North winds will be around 5 to 10. More likely in the southeast half of the state, cloudy skies, light rain and snow into the nighttime, becoming snow later on, dropping into the upper 20s. The north winds, 8 to 18. Cloudy skies, a little 
little snow yet for Thursday in the southeast. A couple more inches accumulating. Mid-30s, northwest winds 5 to 15. They gust near 25. Friday, there may actually be a little sun to start the day, but the skies become mostly cloudy again. Upper 30s with the southwest winds at 5 to 10. I'm anticipating a few more clouds Saturday. Still only in the 30s. This colder air mass really has us in its grip. Not going to let go in a big hurry. A little sun may help to warm things up somewhat Sunday, but I'd expect into next week a still cooler than normal pattern is going to continue. That's all the good news there is. I wish I had better things to say. I know we've got a lot more field work to take care of, but this kind of damp and cold pattern is just sticking around, Pam. No big changes. All righty. Thank you, Stu. We got it. You know, here we are kind of grossing about this uh, cold, wet weather that suddenly surprised a lot of us in Wisconsin. Can you imagine the surprise that some of our Wisconsin rural electric linemen found when they went to Guatemala? They were in areas where there was no electricity, where it may have taken them an hour to get into the territory they were trying to electrify. A fantastic story about what it takes to reach out and try to help those folks. It's coming your way after 5.30. It's 5.25 on a Wednesday. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Selecting the right alfalfa variety is more commitment than choice. I'm Shannon Latham, and because alfalfa has a long-term impact on your bottom line, Latham alfalfa products are uniquely built for greater yield potential, pest resistance, and unmatched forage quality. All to give growers options that thrive in local growing conditions, whether you produce cash hay or feed on farm. Commit to success in your alfalfa fields. Talk to your local Latham sales rep, see us at LathamSeeds.com, or call 877-GO-LATHAM. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. We hear you. You need new windows. Ganser Company is proud to introduce 80 years and 80 minutes. Simply put, you need real information and pricing so you can make a good decision and spend your precious time with your family and friends, not contractors failing to call you back, taking weeks to get you an estimate, or the high-pressure sales pitch you dread. Our 80 years of hindsight for 80 minutes of your time. We give you the skinny in 80 minutes to make an educated decision. With the huge swing in temperatures from below zero to the upper 90s, Ganser Company has the only window made for Wisconsin climate. Infinity Windows from Marvin offer a lifetime warranty. Bring on the ice, wind, and the heat. Infinity Windows don't warp, crack, or fade like vinyl windows. Call today, 608-222-1243, or stop into our showroom and see the Infinity Window Experience. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. It's that simple. Dancer, that's the answer. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. 
Halloween is an exciting time of the year for kids, and to help them have a safe holiday, Madison Area Crime Stoppers and local law enforcement have some safety tips. A parent or a responsible adult should always accompany young children. Stay in groups and communicate where you will be going. Costumes should be well-fitted and flame-resistant. Consider adding reflective tape to costumes and trick-or-treat bags for greater visibility. Remember to look both ways when crossing streets. Remain on well-lit streets and stay on sidewalks when possible. Never cut across yards or use alleys. Avoid dark houses. Only go to homes with a porch light on and never enter a home or car for a treat. Use glow sticks and flashlights with extra batteries for visibility. Carry a cell phone for quick communication. Examine all treats and pick out your favorite before your kids eat them. And before heading out, lock it up to prevent crimes of opportunity. And remember, if you see activity that seems suspicious, report your observations to Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or, if it's happening now, call 911. (laughs) You live the way you want to live, but do you live where you want to live? Chris from Right on Target Real Estate. With interest rates where they are, you could own for less than what you're paying for rent. We have a system in place whenever a matching house in the neighborhood of your choice comes on the market, it notifies you so you don't miss out on the best deals when they hit the market. Ask about our recent college graduate incentives. Right on Target Real Estate is really, really confident they can find you a home at an affordable price. Visit rightontargetrealestate.com. Neon day glow, flashing lights, special effects. Today's world puts our sense of sight on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. It's a wonder how much you'll see once all the distractions fade away. You may see a lone eagle soaring past massive snow-capped mountains. Or a great horned owl perched stoically on a branch nearby. You may see the furry face of a baby sea otter curiously poking its head out of the dark blue sea, or ancient rocks shaped by centuries of wind. When you see these things, you're seeing the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov refuges. That's fws.gov refuges. 608-321-1670. We'll get uh, back to the Packer trade deadline and uh, trying to figure out the identity uh, of Badger football. No question on the identity of this guy. 100% badass. It's yeah. our buddy Bernie, former Badger Matt Bernstein. What up, Bernie? What up, guys? I can oh, hear man. it in your voice, Bernie. I can hear it in your voice. What well, do you th- Ohio State, dude, come on. You know, Ohio State looked pretty good. and We didn't really have many answers for some of their dudes. I don't know what we're thinking, not blocking. We couldn't. We put a we tight end on the best player numbers. in college football, Bernie. That's all you need to know about that game. I was just about to say, we, we couldn't stop one number, number two, on both sides of the ball. And how, how are we not double teaming that guy? What did Matt Bernstein, before we dive more into it, what did Matt Bernstein do for the game? Were you in New York for it? Matt Bernstein went to this bar called Blondie's, and I legitimately talked a lot of smack to every single Ohio State fan, which is great. Um, and I only have one thing to say. It's like, well, I beat you guys in 2003 and 2004. Like, I'm 2-0, and I'm 1-0 at the horseshoe. But then they're always like, you know, look at the scoreboard. It's not wrong. I mean, it was pretty brutal. 
Then you should just pull up the box score on your phone of when you played against them. It's like, how about that, man? I got the belt. What's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look at this grainy screen that we used to watch videos on. Hey, but did you run into Bat Mernstein at all? Uh, Bat Mernstein came out later, and then he came out for the Jets game big time. Oh, I was gonna say, I bet Bat Mernstein was all over Manhattan on Sunday. Oh, Sunday was a bet. It was bad. He was Bears for uh, bad. Hey, hey, Bernie. What's um <laughs> in New York? What's it like? Uh, is there more Ohio State fans? Is there more Badger fans? Like, what's the fandom like for Big Ten football out there? Big Ten football is a, a huge following in New York. It really depends. This bar is like basically the. It's a huge bar. It's Big Ten. So anywhere you you know you go in there, Northwestern fans. Um, they had it pretty much everybody there, and it turns into a Michigan State bar after. Um, after the one o'clock game or the noon game, so I mean that's great. I love my place, Mad River. It's on the west, it's on the east side. It's all Badgers. It gets wild. I just, you know, didn't want to, uh, you know, go in there when it's a loss. It's a tough place to be. Uh, visiting with our buddy, former Badger Matt Bernstein. So help us out, Bernie. We, uh, you know, we've been trying to answer this question today. What is the identity? Uh, of Badger football, you know, the current state of the program, you know, some of the the stuff we came up with, you know, a second-tier team, a fringe college playoff team, elite with a question mark at it, uh, a good-slash-great team. Like, uh, you know, unfortunately now these last two weeks, you you know, we want to be put in that championship discussion, but we're not there again this year. So, I mean, how do you view it? Are are they just on the outside looking in? Are they the the bridesmaid? You know, whatever's the the corny saying. Where do you put Wisconsin right now as a program? You know, I, it's sad to say, but they're definitely a fringe team. Um, I, I just don't understand. We, two things to me stuck out. We, we, don't, we weren't blocking number two. That guy's one of the best players in college football. He had, what, a bunch of sacks, a bunch of fumble, uh, causing fumbles. You've got to double team him. Let Jack Cohen at least have some option to get the ball out. We need to hit A.J. Taylor and our wide receivers, Cephas, way more. Those guys make plays. And then on defense, I just feel like we couldn't figure out the run scheme on our D-line. Like, they were just gashing us for big plays. So, I mean, we're, I feel like we're right there. We competed all the way up to the pretty much the third quarter. You know, but how do we continue that and not lose by, you know, 31 points? Hey, Bernie, when you're playing days, when you were out there, did you, like, if you were going up against someone like an Ohio State, I know you beat Ohio State, but going up against, like, a premier talent, like a premier athlete, a guy that's going to the NFL, you know he's a beast. Is it, is it intimidating out there? Is there a, or are you just trying to upstage the guy? Like, what goes through your mind when you know you're going against a guy that's just bound for the NFL? Well, I think I, think I was lucky, and we were lucky. We had Erasmus James, who was top 10 pick in, in, uh, in the NFL, and he was awesome in college. So, you know, it was, it was it's playing against those guys, but when we played against Auburn, they had a great rushing defensive end, and we were chipping them every play. You know, and, and Coach was he, – he loved it when you get up in – you know, like if a guy's standing up and you get up in their ribs and hit him with that shiver, that forearm shiver, that hurts, man. And that's what I did to Erasmus once, and uh, one of the D-line coach, Palermo, was like, you know, don't do that anymore because you you're getting into their ribs. We gotta be. We gotta do that. I don't understand how the game plan doesn't incorporate blocking one of the best players in college football. I'm afraid there's not a lot of weather improvement on the horizon for at least the next 48 hours or so. Did you get left without power when this snowstorm came in? If you did, then you'll really have a healthy appreciation for one of the stories we've got before six o'clock. Imagine if you had no electricity at all. That was the situation 
facing some folks in rural Guatemala. But thanks to the Wisconsin Rural Electric Association, that has all changed. Really cool story coming up before 6 o'clock. I'm P.M. Yankee. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Wednesday. And keeping with the farm show theme, on this date in 1914, the first 4-H club in Wisconsin was organized. It was the Lynn Junior Farmers Club in Walworth County. The club was started just five months after Congress passed the Smith-Lever Act, which really created cooperative extension on the federal, state, and county level. So now you know, on this date, 1914, our first Wisconsin 4-H club down in Walworth County. While we're talking about some historical makings out in Washington, D.C., it looks like we're getting on a level playing field when it comes to producing industrial hemp. Michael Clements has the latest from Washington, D.C. on that. The Department of Agriculture's hemp program announced Tuesday allows the sector to move forward, according to the American Farm Bureau Federation. Scott Bennett, AFBF Congressional Relations Director, says the interim final rule creates much-needed standards for production, testing, and licensing. This is a long-awaited interpretation from USDA of what Congress passed in the 2018 Farm Bill as it relates to the legalization of hemp. This interim final rule provides clarity to producers on everything from crop insurance, THC, testing methods, crop destruction protocols to interstate commerce. Hemp farmers have struggled getting financing for their operations as the banking industry needed guidance from USDA. Bennett says the interim final rule allows bankers to serve the hemp industry. The banking industry largely has awaited these regulations in order to develop guidance regarding deposits derived from hemp operations. Without these regulations, banking industry hasn't been willing to take the risk of accepting deposits or lending money to these businesses. So we see this as a positive enforcement of receiving financing for your hemp operation. Bennett says hemp producers should review the rule and provide feedback to USDA. The public now has an opportunity to provide comment through the Federal Register for a period of 60 days beginning this Thursday, October 31st. I encourage producers to take a look at the interim final rule, see how it may impact their hemp operation, and then provide that input to the USDA. Michael Clements, Washington. Thank you, Mike. Well, that's one crop Wisconsin farmers have been working with this year. What about our corn and soybeans? Just how far along are we as far as the harvest is concerned with this weather? We're talking about that and recapping the numbers next on a Wednesday morning. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out-yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or high soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and high soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. Well, again this year, it doesn't look like Mother Nature is giving us much of a break. Good thing you know my buddies at McFarland's in the heart of Sauk City. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee to remind you, no matter what you're doing, trying to winterize things around the farm, get that little piece of paradise winterized for the elements. Or maybe it's the home your family lives in, and it needs to be a little more energy efficient. Whatever you're thinking about, McFarland's takes care of you 
all under one roof. Trying to winterize things around the farm. Head back to the farm department. Bill and the crew, more experience than anybody else in this area. Like I said, whether you're looking at trying to winterize that little piece of paradise that you've got or take care of where you and your family live, they've got it all under one roof. And what I really appreciate, being able to lean on the expertise that the staff at McFarland's brings to you. They'll help you get the job done efficiently and effectively. And that's really important with the weather we've got coming up. So again, McFarland, 780 Carolina Street, all under one roof, right there in the heart of Sauk City. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. Your friends, family, and neighbors at Compere Financial have your back. As proud partners of the pork industry, we're here for you and join you in celebrating National Pork Month in October. Learn more at Compeer.com. Trademarks of Compeer Financial, an equal credit opportunity lender. Well, you might have thought with the weather we've got outside that we'd get a little pop in the marketplace yesterday, but it really didn't happen. In case you didn't notice, in Wisconsin, we've only got about 13% of our corn that's been harvested for grain. That's three weeks behind our average. Only 46% of our soybeans were harvested as of Sunday. That's four days behind last year, 11 days behind our five-year average. And of the soybeans that were combined on Sunday, 64% were rated good to excellent. That's a two-percentage point drop in confidence in just one week's time. And we are not alone. USDA right now is estimating 41% of the corn crop has been harvested, and that is behind our five-year average by about 20 points. North Dakota's only got 29% of their soybeans harvested. Normally, they'd be 90% done. And in Iowa, 26% of their corn is out of the fields. Normally, they'd be more than 50% done with that crop. So everybody's lagging behind. On the close Tuesday, December corn gained two and a quarter cents to 386 and a quarter. March corn was up a penny and a quarter at 396. November beans down two and a half at 918 and a quarter. January beans were down two at 933 and a half. December wheat settled a quarter cent lower, 511 and a half, with the July new crop down three quarters of a cent at 527 and a quarter. Dairy looked a little bit better. Barrel cheese yesterday was unchanged, 225 and a quarter. 40 pound block cheese that gained a penny up to 215 and a quarter. Double A butter yesterday up a half a cent, 208 and three quarters. November milk was up 18 cents, 1986 a hundredweight. December milk closed 33 cents higher at 1892 a hundredweight. Well, if you're one of the folks that ended up without power when this sudden snowstorm showed up, then you know how the folks in Guatemala might have felt. They have no power at all. But some Wisconsin linemen involved with the Wisconsin Rural Electric Cooperative Association changed all that. A very interesting story that you might otherwise take for granted. Coming up next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, 
diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. Farming is a competitive business. You need to be tough and smart, and you need to have equipment that you can rely on, which is why farmers entrust their grain handling to Brandt products available at Ziegler Ag Equipment, like the XR Grain Carts, featuring a high-capacity 20-inch discharge auger that unloads up to 620 bushels per minute, making unloading quick and effective. Talk to your Ziegler sales rep about the full line of augers, belts, carts, and vacs, because if you want to be number one, get yourself some worry-free performance from Brandt and lead the field. Be the light. That's my motto. Hi, I'm Scott, proud employee with EverReady Electric for over 20 years. We want you. Yes, you. We're hiring for journeymen or master electricians. Full-time with a hiring bonus of $1,500. Why? Well, we get that transitioning from one job to another has costs. And we're here to support you in a new comfort zone. Join our team and apply online. Or call and ask for Linda. She'll amp you up. We're ever ready. Application deadline, November 1st. If you've ever driven a tractor, you're her friend. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, as we wrap it up on a Wednesday morning, I just want to remind you about things we take for granted. This week, a lot of folks thinking about the fall-like weather that we took for granted up until this week. You know, there's other things all around us that we take for granted as well, like electricity. I know this week with the sudden snowstorm, some folks ended up without electricity for a little while. Can you imagine not having electricity at all? That is the challenge that was faced by our Wisconsin Rural Electric Cooperative System. They were asked in part by other rural electric cooperative associations around the upper Midwest to partner up and bring electricity to some of the most rural areas of Guatemala. Steve Fries is the president and CEO of the Wisconsin Rural Electric Cooperative Association, and he had a chance to share the story with me on how those Wisconsin linemen made the trek to Guatemala and, more importantly, made a major change for the lives of those Guatemalan citizens. What we did in Guatemala was really brand new. It was we raised the money in Wisconsin and Iowa and Illinois. The three statewides worked on this project together, raised enough dollars to electrify this village, and then we got volunteer linemen from each of the four sta- each of the three states, four guys from each of the three states, and, and they spent 18 days in some of the worst conditions you will ever imagine, um, bringing electricity to um, this little village in uh, Guatemala. So you've uh, got this effort that brought those folks in. How big a project was it, Steve? What was the goal? Well, originally it was set up for 37 houses, a school, and uh, a health post. And when we got there, uh, it really just transformed the village. And we ended up actually electrifying 50 houses, the school, the health post, and a church, and uh, basically everybody in the community. And, and this is the poorest of poor. The houses are wood-sided, um, basically wooden posts pounded in the ground, dirt floors, wood sides, 
one door, no windows, and a thatched roof. Um, and, and now they have lights inside, and they can actually do things uh, that are going to improve their life. When you were talking with me off here that uh, this is something that not only changes those people's lives in Guatemala, but it, it changed the people from Wisconsin that helped. It absolutely did. I, you know, I had a chance um, while I was there to talk with our four linemen from Wisconsin, and each of them told me privately that this has just dramatically changed their life on what they were able to see and do and, and, and help uh, these people who really have no hope or no opportunity unless someone from the outside comes in and helps them. And I could see it in their faces and their and their actions as each one of them uh, delivered a backpack filled with school supplies and a pair of shoes to each of the kids who were enrolled in the school. It was just phenomenal to see that kind of humanity, and uh, especially from you know the guys who are uh, ordinarily keeping our lights on back home. Right. How complicated was it, Steve? I mean, I'm just wondering if I'm one of those linemen from Wisconsin. It's a far different scenario that you're facing in Guatemala versus even rural Wisconsin. What kinds of challenges did they voice? Every kind of challenge that you can imagine, uh, from weather, climate, bugs, uh, and the fact that they had no bucket trucks. Everything had to be done by hand. Uh, the only uh, benefit they had at all was the uh, local utility they were working with, Emory, uh, actually set each of the poles, but they had to make sure they were straight and everything was ready, set to go. They had to climb each of the poles rather than use a bucket truck like we would here in America, and they had to pull the wire by hand. There were no vehicles to do that with. Um, but they had a technical college uh, that is teaching um, young men how to become linemen in uh, Guatemala, and they were out every day helping our guys. And so they had quite a crew, and then when they needed more help, the villagers, they themselves just stepped right in and helped. Really? Is there a way that we can help people understand what Guatemala has versus what we live with today, Steve? I mean, I'm going back to the day when out on the farm you almost were you know, jittery with anticipation when they started bringing out electricity to the farm. Is that, is that a fair comparison to what Guatemala faces right now? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it is. Uh, if you were to take a look at our history book that we put together and look at the, the farm family in the 1930s, where as poor as they can be and they were really lucky if they had a wood floor in their house, and you see them standing there with anticipation, I saw the same thing before we flipped the light switch on with those, uh, those villagers in Guatemala. It, it was the only difference is, um, is the, the timing and, um, Otherwise, it's just absolutely the same. And the, the thing that I was able to really experience, and because uh, our national organization has been doing this over a number of years, so the villages that were electrified in route to it's a 90-minute drive from where the utility was. That 90-minute drive where the the first electric co-op, the first electric house houses were, you can see the transformation from wood sides, thatched roof to cement block buildings, mm-hmm. and where. They actually have now water wells, and they have, um, uh, you know, uh, electric grinders to grind their uh, corn uh, that they use every day to eat mm-hmm. instead of having to bring in a farm tractor or do it by hand. Hmm. So you're talking literally about that one line of electricity suddenly changing their lives and improving their lives. I think, as you mentioned, Steve, water quality still an issue, but hopefully with electrification they can start working on that project. Absolutely. Their first goal is now that they have electricity is to put an electric well to pump water so they don't have to take it out of the uh, creek in the river that runs mm. through. And I'll tell you, uh, looking at that water, it looked like chocolate milk. Mm. And we were able to provide uh, filters for them. 
But, you know, that's something that will last for two years. Having the ability to have an electrified water well is going to be something that will last a lifetime for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So, again, just asking maybe silly questions. So I'm a lineman from Wisconsin. I got a nice, comfortable bed, uh, climate-controlled house back at home. Where, what were the accommodations for your linemen uh, down there facing these kinds of fairly rugged conditions? You know, They had to take a rest now and then. What were their accommodations like? Well, they had a 90-minute uh, trip in the morning and the evening, and they had to be um, out of the village before dark because there was a bridge they had to cross that most of the uh, steel planking was missing, and they had, the car could literally fall through. So they, they had to make sure they were on their way to their hotel. And I would describe the hotel where they were staying is um, very much like what you would have seen in the 1950s in America. And it has, um, you know, it had air conditioning, but it had no hot water. So they all got used to having cold showers every single day. And uh, after working for, uh, you know, uh, all day long in uh, 90 seven degree heat and 90 percent humidity uh, they were pretty much ready for a cold shower yeah no kidding no kidding and so the, the community did how how did they respond i mean again like i said this could be life-changing also could be a little scary i imagine how did they respond well they were incredibly uh, happy i mean that's the one thing we saw all the time you know in this extreme poverty they had smiles on their face all the time and I had the opportunity to go into one of the villagers' homes. He was 85 years old, and this is the first time he's going to have electricity and see a light bulb. Uh, pretty excited about it. And, uh, and the opportunity for them, even at that age, um, is really great. And the guys told me that uh, while they were there putting up the, the power lines, two more families decided to move into this village and build houses because electricity was coming. Wow. So those houses were built in those eight, that 18-day span that the guys were working on uh, electrifying this village. Now, what's the, what's the next plan then, Steve? Do, your, do you have other guys that are going to be going back? Has Wisconsin done their share as far as helping uh, those folks in rural Guatemala? What's next? Well, our national organization, the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association, has projects going on, like eight projects every year. And um, we're the we're the first one where the region of uh, NRECA actually put this together. So Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois, the three states went together to raise the money. This is a, it, you know it's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars that we had to raise. Uh, it's pretty hard for one state just to to be able to do that when you have twenty five co ops. But um, the three of us working together, and the hope is in two years that we will we're slotted for another project in two years, and uh, we'll be raising the money to do that. Is there any place where people can see more on this fantastic, uh, really life-changing situation for both our Wisconsin guys as well as uh, the Guatemalan, Steve? There is, and you actually um, can go to the Wisconsin Electric Cooperative Association's uh, uh, website, uh, which is weca.coop, or you can do it at our wecnmagazine.com website as well as our Facebook, and you'll see lots of photographs of this entire project as well as video that will just open up your eyes to what's going on. And, uh, you know, our hope is that we will give these folks an opportunity to have a great life in their own country and that they don't have to leave. And uh, and that's what electrification did for rural America. And we're hoping that the same thing's going to happen for these communities in Guatemala. Such a simple story with such an amazing impact. That's Steve Fries, president and CEO of the Wisconsin Rural Electric Cooperative Association. Something that you never think about. People in Guatemala, the rural areas especially, absolutely completely without electricity. And thanks in large part to just four of our Wisconsin linemen, they now 
have light. They're going to be meeting next week in Wausau. Hope I get a chance to visit with some of those linemen that experience